ahead and just stand up and, uh, and just welcome Marlene as she brings us the word this morning. Give her a royal day spring welcome. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, everybody. Isn't God amazing? Isn't he amazing? Oh, wasn't worship amazing? He's better than worship, but worship was amazing, right? Worship was amazing. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your plans. We thank you for our destinies that are in your plans. Oh, man. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to talk to you today about sharing the kingdom. I don't think I'm going to bring any new verses, but obviously this is a big deal on my heart. Um, but before we actually get into the message, I mentioned this last time I spoke. I don't even know when the last time I spoke was, but the last time I spoke. Um, I have, a, a, I guess I've been even wanting to come up with a platform to share this, but if you're alive today, whether you're serving God or not, you're alive because God has a plan for you in this season. And I believe, and what the burning, the reason I want that acknowledged is I want to treat everyone as if they're in God's amazing plan and He's got a plan for them in this season. And, and in that, there, there's this, I've heard this saying a couple times recently, and I, I've been really feeling this. I mean, I, with people coming in the flower shop, and, and, and obviously there's people that are obviously serving the Lord, and there's a lot of them. And, but there's a few that you know that, that aren't serving the Lord, but God has such a plan for them now. It's not about the next season in their life, it's about this season in their life. And in that process, I heard a couple times said recently about a couple different people, they were born in the wrong time. They should have been born many years earlier. Something's wrong with that. And I, I know that what they meant by that wasn't spiritual. They meant maybe, you know, they liked living primitively or they wanted to go back to living in, in a time period before this one and live in what they would consider a simpler life. But the truth of the matter is, if you're alive right now, you're alive because God called it. And I believe God's calling us as part of the kingdom to recognize people with such love and such mercy and not look at it as they're different than us, but they're called like us. They're called right now like we're called. Whether they're can, does that make sense? I feel that so important. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, I, these are very familiar scriptures. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So whether you're living for God or not, they're still there. 
And to be honest with you, sometimes they're evident in a life that's not serving God, but the enemy can't create. So, God, so the enemy knew how to use something that God put there. Does that make sense? They're irrevocable. <sighs> so it doesn't matter how much time God needs to redeem in all of our lives. And he is the redeemer of time. And he's the only one that is the redeemer of time. There isn't another redeemer of time. It's him, is it not? God has a plan. And we want to connect with that plan. Matthew chapter 6, all of you know, that we would call this the Lord's Prayer. I don't know that that's actually accurate because I don't think he needed to repent. I, that, that's not a criticism, but I, it, I, I think it's more an instruction than it is a verbal prayer to repeat. But he says in verse 7, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Why do they use those why do they use vain repetitions? Not because the vain repetitions are actually so wrong. It's that they think because of their being heard over and over, they finally will take, it will take precedent in the heart of our Father. Does that make sense? But the next sentence, Therefore, do not be like them. Marlene, don't be like them. For your Father knows... The things that you have need before you ask him. So he's not saying about those that use vain repetitions that God doesn't already know. He knows. But why do they use vain repetitions? Because they don't have the knowing that their father already knows. They don't have the knowing of the relationship with the father. That trust. It's about the relationship with him. That the father knows what you have need of. He knows what you have need of before you even mention it. Before you ever even ask him. He, he knows what you need. So in this manner, therefore pray. Starting out with that relationship and that connection that we have as our father. Who happens to reside more in heaven than he does on the earth. Now I, that kind of plays with some of us. We really don't want to think that. But it's true. He resides more in heaven than he does on the earth. And he knows the things that you have need of before you even ask him. And we honor him. Next verse, verse 10. Your, whose kingdom? Father, your kingdom. The kingdom of our Father, come. What's he, if that was automatic, would he ask us to pray for it? Is the kingdom coming automatic? Jesus is returning. Please don't think I don't think that. But he asks us to literally take a posture of praying for the kingdom, for the kingdom where he's king, where he reigns. He's actually asking us to pray for him to reign here like he reigns in heaven. That's what that's about. If he automatically reigned here like he does in heaven, he wouldn't be asking us to pray this. Father, your kingdom come. 
Your kingdom's not going to come without your will being done here like it's being done in heaven. His will's being done in heaven, and then that's why he can reign there in a way that he's not reigning here. And, I, we, and, and God has such a plan for this that, and such an endorsement that literally he asks us to pray that the earth will be reigned by him like heaven. That's his ultimate plan. And we're going to hit it. That's the part that's sovereign. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen as the body of Christ comes together like this, isn't it? King's domain. Kingdom. Our God's domain. Where he has dominion. Where he has dominion. I'm going to ask for something really weird. I need to sit down, so I need a chair. Sorry, Philip. Therefore, Matthew 6.31, I'm going to actually preach sitting down, and I don't think I've done it in my life, and I'm 60, so it's been a while. I've never preached sitting down, but we're going to do it. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I need is my notes. Thank you. Sorry, everybody, but this is the way Valentine's went. <laughs> That's all I can say, right? Okay, we need to pray this. We need to be like this. Oh, glory. Thank you so much. Thank you for being amazing. Holy Spirit. Now, can you see me over this? No, not really. That's as close as we can get, okay? Holy Spirit. Okay, look at Luke 31. Therefore, do not worry. Now, the whole se segment above that is talking about how we shouldn't worry, right? Because the, the, everything in the field, they know exactly. They, they don't have to worry. They know their needs are going to be met, right? But look at this. After these things, the Gentiles seek. Those things that are our food or our source, I'll just be honest. Those reasons we go to get a paycheck. That's what the Gentiles seek, right? He's not saying there's anything wrong with it. He's not saying we won't even be needing it. He knows what we need. But he says we, we need to be different and not be like the Gentiles. And if you seek something, you change your lifestyle for it. So what's he saying about the Gentiles? He said they change their lifestyle to make a better living. Now, are we supposed to change our lifestyle? Yes. But we're supposed to change our lifestyle, first of all, for the kingdom. Seek ye first. It doesn't say don't seek the other things, but seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Now, that throws people off. Because we think, oh, I've sinned, so I'm not... No, it's about seeking first the kingdom where he is king, where his domain reigns. Does that make sense? And his righteousness, his righteousness is what's right by him. Uh, how do I say this right? I need you to get this. It's not about whether I sinned or not, or whether I have perfection or not, but the kingdom ways think differently than our ways. The principles of how the kingdom works 
And you've heard people say it's an upside-down kingdom. If you give, you receive, right? That's just a principle of that. But where does seek first where his domain is reigning? And the way he thinks things ought to work. That's right. It's not like, am I making, gosh, I need you to get this. It's about how God thinks the principles of what, how he planned and what he did, how they operate on the earth, and that's what we're to connect with. That's the kingdom coming. And it is different than us. That's like us taking an offering for Ukraine so that our brothers and our sisters can feel validated. Whether it's enough to make that much physical difference, it doesn't matter. It's about validation of them. And they're on the earth in 2022 because God has a plan for their life. He has an endorsement for them. He's endorsing them. Does that make sense? Holy Spirit. Do you remember Matthew? I'm just going to read some of these. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And when Jesus began to preach, but this is right after he was in the wilderness, right? It's actually the first red letter words. After the wilderness, does that make sense? He says, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. That means change, because the king's domain is right here, and he's no longer just in heaven. He's right here, and, and, and I expect you to be different. I expect there to be something different. In Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit came, they all started doing uh, they, were, they were totally different. Verse 35, literally, it's the prophecy of the Old Testament, but he said he'd make our enemies our footstool. There's something going to change when the Spirit is on the earth. It's going to be different than it was before the Spirit was on the earth. And our, the, our enemies will become our footstool. That doesn't mean we're trying to treat them like dirt. It means that we get to use our enemies to, to go up higher. We, oh. Do you understand? It puts us at a different level because of the Spirit. And God uses all things. He even uses those things He didn't plan. And because of the Spirit, there's a different reigning. And because all this happens, we get to come up to a higher level and our enemies even help us get there. They help us. We complain about them, but the truth of the matter is God can use them. And he does use them. Why are we spending all our time complaining? Why are we so focused on what is wrong when we're supposed to be focused on the kingdom? Him reigning. Him having reign. And we don't have to change what they do. God already orchestrates the position that they'll have. We're not putting them in that position. God's already orchestrated them to be in that position. Does that make sense? 
So they sold everything they had, not because God actually told them to sell. I'm not saying he did or he didn't. But they had such a corporate uh, provision. They had such a corporate acting here because God was doing something so much greater. They were praising God and they were having favor with everybody. Now that's, I'm not saying they didn't go to jail. I'm just saying that even while they were in jail, there was something about them that gave them favor. They actually had a favor that the other people in jail didn't have. I, I'm not saying that it was always a favor of finance. It was an acknowledgement of who was with them. And it was reality. It was real. You see, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, and you're all going to know all of these scriptures. There isn't anything new in this. Matthew 16, the disciples are asked by Jesus, who do they think I am? And then he says, but who do you think I am? Yeah. Who they are doesn't change the kingdom working on the earth, but who we think they, that he is changes the kingdom on the earth. I need you to get that. What the world thinks about Christians or what the world thinks about Jesus or what the world thinks about anything isn't affecting the kingdom reigning on the earth. But what we think changes the effect of the kingdom on the earth. Does that make sense? And what did he say to Peter? First of all, he changes him from Simon to Peter because, because Peter now has this knowing. It changes the stability of him. He becomes a rock, a smaller rock, but he becomes a rock. You know, smaller rock than Jesus, of course. Does that make sense? But what does he say? Verse 18 he first acknowledges to Peter, you didn't get this because somebody told you. You didn't get it, Marlene, because you read it out of a book. You got it because you communicated with the Heavenly Father, Peter. You got it because you connected with Him. And out of that, out of what you got, he said to Peter, and on this rock, and do you notice the rock here is not even capitalized? It's the perception, it's the recognition, it's the knowing, it's the relationship with the Heavenly Father, and it's the knowing of who Christ is through the Heavenly Father. Our Father, through the relationship of the Father, He recognized the anointing on the Christ. And out of that, His church has been and always will be being built on this. And on this, I will build my church. Not on this, one day I'll build my church on this, and on another day I'll build it on something else. On this, my church is built. This is what my church is built on. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. He says the same thing in two chapters later in Matthew 18. But he, he acknowledges here there's another way to bring the kingdom besides just knowing who I am. It has to do with two or three, two or three agreeing. You know, when people come together, there's a, king, a portion of the kingdom there that comes because you've come together on the earth. Does that make sense? Verse 16. 
he's talking about here, you know, they've had a struggle between themselves, and now he's saying when two or more, <laughs> two or more, it changes the effect again, doesn't it? Verse 19, again I say, when two or more agree on earth, agree concerning anything that they ask, I will come for my Father. By my Father in heaven, I will come, I will come. But what does he say right before that? <laughs> whatsoever, whatsoever. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, when you're in this relationship of coming together, whatever you come together and, and you put a halt to on earth, it will be halted also in heaven. And whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. The kingdom will actually start reigning on the earth like it's reigning in heaven. Holy Spirit. It changes everything, doesn't it? The very next verse, verse 21, and I don't, this isn't my subject, but Peter says, how often do I forgive him? I don't think there should be a separation there. How often are we, are we going to live in a lifestyle of walking together that we don't have things that put us in, in different teams? Or how often do I do this? And you all know the story, right? You all know what ha happens. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is speaking and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me. He's still anointing me, but he has anointed me. And he has anointed you and I as the body of Christ and he's still anointing us. He has come and he's still coming. We've already been anointed for this. We sometimes think we're waiting on anointing, but we've already been anointed for this and he's still anointing us. He sent, he sent me, Jesus said, to heal the brokenhearted. So he sent the body of Christ to heal the brokenhearted, has he not? Since we represent Christ, the reason we're on the earth is to heal the brokenhearted. Not to choose when that person's the right person, or that person's good enough, or that person's ready, or he didn't pick us, or he didn't choose the body of Christ to treat people differently because of their circumstances. If they're brokenhearted, he sent us to heal them and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I believe the way that this 2022 can be an acceptable year of the Lord doesn't have anything to do with what the world does. It has to do with what the body of Christ is doing. And it has to do with us looking at people with mercy and compassion and being able to restore them, not because of who they are, but because of what we've received. Because of what we've received, we can restore them. Does that make sense? Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 13. This is a parable that over the last 10, 15 years, I probably don't go a week without thinking about because it has changed my life. It's just a sentence, but it's changed my life. 
And the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found. A man found the treasure and he hid it. He found it. He didn't stick it in his pocket. He found it and he hid it back in the field. And for the joy over this treasure that he found, he sells everything that he has and buys the field. He's not complaining. He didn't tell everybody. He just took every ounce of everything he had and went and bought the field. He didn't go buy the treasure. He went and bought the field that had the treasure in it. And I can tell you without doubt that God has called us, because I know he's called me, and he's called me to buy the field. Buy the field because there's a treasure in it, and it might be so hidden you can't even find it, but Marlene, buy the field. John chapter 4. I believe this is what Jesus did. And now they're at Jacob's well, verse 6. And Jesus being wearied, and I don't know how to tell you how happy this makes me, that he's tired. <laughs> that Jesus was tired. You know, the disciples went on to get food. Now you would think the most anointed one wouldn't have been tired. But he went on, they went on to get food, and he sat down. Now... You know there's a purpose in him setting down. But it doesn't say that he knew about the purpose. It says he sat down because he was tired. So God can use natural things to lead you into the spiritual. We don't have to act like we're somebody we're not. He sat down because he was tired. He was tired from their journey because of how much effort he'd put out on the journey. It was the sixth hour. It, it, it's, it's now, you know, toward evening, and the Samaritan woman can legally come to the well now because everybody else has come and already gotten their water, and all their animals are already been wa well watered, but now she can come. And the Samaritan, the Samaritan lady came to just get water. She came there to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. And the woman. The Samaritan woman, it wasn't any woman. She was a Samaritan because there was such a division. She wasn't one of his kind. She didn't look like him or act like him. She says to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, Ask me, a Samaritan, why would you even ask me? For Jews have no dealings, not a few dealings. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus sees the treasure. He's getting ready to buy the whole field. And Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that, that, that you're talking to or who it was that is saying this to you, you'd give me a drink. 
You would have you you would have also you would have asked me for a drink, because I can give a drink more powerful than you can give from your well, right? And with this drink, you'll never thirst again because it's living water. And she gets surly with him. What are you saying? You don't even have anything to draw the water with. You're here with nothing. You're just here. What are you, you know, he could have stopped just then and thought, she has no idea. It's not time yet. She doesn't even recognize when somebody's different. She doesn't even have a clue. Are you greater than our father Jacob? In other words, are you saying you're even better than Jacob and this being Jacob's well? What are you saying? And Jesus answered and said, whoever drinks of this water, it will change your life. It will change your life. It will change who you are. It will change everything. But whosoever drinks of the water that I give, he says, you will never, ever, you will never. That doesn't mean someday, months from now. It means you'll never thirst again. And the woman said, sir, isn't that interesting? She called him sir. She did give him some respect. <laughs> give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So she's thinking, if I get this water, I don't have to show up in this humiliating way ever again. I don't even have to be after you. I don't have to do any of this. And Jesus said, go, call your husband and come here. And she answered, and you all know the story, and she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you've spoken correctly because you don't have a husband. You've been with five, but the one you're with is, is not your husband. <sighs> and she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Just by that, she realized there was something different than him being an ordinary man there trying to get a drink. Oh. And you all know what happens that she leaves and she goes and gets the whole town, which is, I think is just amazing. I think it's just totally amazing. And Jesus says, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. See, it's going to be everywhere. It's not going to just be in this spot, in this spot, in this spot. It's going to be absolutely everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. Verse 23, and the hour is coming, and now is, when worshipers, when true worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Oh, Jesus. You see, Jesus bought the field. Jesus so bought the field. Jesus. You see... There's a wrong misconception that even we as Christians have bought, and we don't know how to deal with it. And we sometimes think that love is the same thing as acceptance, or love is the same thing as accepting a lifestyle. 
It is the same as acceptance, like us accepting them. Does that make sense? But it's not accepting a lifestyle because Jesus so bought the field and loved her so much that she changed who she was. When the kingdom comes, we automatically repent. Repentance is what comes. When the kingdom comes, when we love people rightly, they change who they are. Does that make sense? Who they are changes because of how we've endorsed them by loving them rightly. Does that make sense? That's how we know when we're walking in the kingdom compared to just trying to give people word knowledge to help them. Does that make sense? Because who they are changes when they're loved and endorsed by him. When they're loved and endorsed by him. And, you, and I, I say this often in verse 35. Do not say that it's four months and then comes the harvest. If we don't see, if we don't have the ability to connect with the Father, to realize the harvest is now. But I want you to back up just Another verse, because I don't usually bring this verse with it. But Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. Now, what is this about? The disciples are saying, did someone feed him while we're gone? Because we went to get food and he was tired. And now he doesn't even want to eat. And he says, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. If mine and your food is not to do the will of him that sent me, I'm a malnourished Christian. And truthfully, I'm deformed. Now that doesn't mean you, you can have a day of eating trash and you're okay. But if your lifestyle, if, if your food, if what sustains you in life, if what changes what you think is not doing the will of God and finish it, we're a deformed Christian. We are deformed. And do not say that there's four months. Because Marlene, if you're putting off my will because you can't, for four months, you're deformed. If for four months, I'm not, I don't get nutrients, I'm no longer healthy. Luke chapter 12, seek ye the kingdom of God and these things shall be added. Do not fear, little flock. Look at this. For your father's good pleasure is to give you the kingdom. His good pleasure for you and, and me is to literally give us the kingdom. Give it to us. Give it to us. Give it to us. You know when the apostles ask, and I'm not going to read all this, but in Luke 17, when, when they literally, when, when they actually asked Jesus after seeing the fig tree, they said, increase our faith. What were they really saying? Make us more useful in the kingdom. It wasn't about faith for a house or a car or a better job. It was about faith for doing more in the kingdom on the earth. 
of being put to use more, was it not? And then Jesus, then they get to watch the ten lepers. That almost happens immediately. Jesus didn't even answer their prayer physically with words. The next thing that happened was the lepers. And Jesus said at the end of that, when nine of them didn't come back, but one did. The kingdom of God does not come by observation. It doesn't come by me reading the right book. And I'm not saying don't read a book. It comes by me intentionally doing the will of the Father. Intentionally making the King king in my life and him having dominion where I am. Him having dominion there. I'm sure that makes sense, doesn't it? That kingdom, that king comes. It doesn't come by observation. It doesn't come by us being a spectator. It comes by us connecting with it. Oh, Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is healing everyone. I mean, it, it's just go, it's, it's, it's going about. He, in verse 32, he heals the demon-possessed. He cast it out. And men spoke, the multitudes, those around were saying this. We've never seen anything like this, even in Israel. We've never seen anything like this. But it's not really about what they're saying. It's about what he's doing, and it's about his connection. And and they're, they're wondering, how's he doing this? Is he casting it out by the rulers of the demons or or, or, or what's here and Jesus sees all of this and, and it verse 35 as he's watching this he realizes how vast it is and he's preaching the gospel of where he's king where he has dominion it's not just about being born again it's about him ruling the earth He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was marveled with compassion. He he was moved with compassion, but he was still in the form of a man, and he couldn't get to everybody. And he begged them. He begged them to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers. What did he need? He needed more people working in the kingdom on the earth. That's what this is about, isn't it? Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest. We're not praying for the world to change over the next four months. We're praying for for people to connect with what God is doing right now. Amen. Next chapter, he called his 12 disciples and he gave them power. His own prayers are being answered as he releases the power to the disciples. He releases the power to the disciples and unclean spirits are cast out. It started. It has already started. And he tells them in verse 6, he tells them to start with the lost sheep in the house of Israel. Start where you're already connected. Isn't that interesting? But as you go, preach saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where I rule is now 
here too. It's now with you too because your will is to do the will of the Father that sent you and to finish his work. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going back to Luke chapter 12. I mentioned it just a second ago, verse 29. But don't seek what you should eat or what you should drink or, be an, or have an anxious mind. He's not saying that you shouldn't have food or that you shouldn't have clothing or you shouldn't even have what you're thinking about. But we're not to seek that first, right? And all these things, the nations of the world seek after. So it's not just the Gentiles. It's all the nations of the world. It's everybody in the world. They seek after this. It's literally what... what it's the only way that they know how to be sustained. Does that make sense? And we're sustained through the same, but we're sustained by seeking him first and him giving us this. The Father knows what I have need of, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. Do not look at the different time that you're in. For your father's good pleasure is to give you the kingdom. The father's good pleasure. You see, when the kingdom works, not only do we change, the people around us change, and we are able to give up what we have and possess a whole field. And in that field is treasure. We're willing, we're able, we're granted, we're blessed, we're anointed to seek the whole field. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that I can. Thank you, Jesus. Did it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Praise 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 you, Father. I guess we could pray there wasn't another Valentine's for 365 years. <laughs> Instead of 365 days. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Stay here. Stay here. I want you here. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer team, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come up front. There should be th three couples. Go ahead and come up front because I believe there's some people here. That you would say to me, Marlene, I've acknowledged that Jesus is real. But I haven't been acknowledging Him as Lord over my life. So while everybody's standing, and I've already called them down front, if you need to say to me, and Pastor Steve, Pastor Phil, and Nate, I ask you all to turn around because I want pastors to acknowledge this because there's going to be, some, I think there's some people that we're going to need to pray for. Because we, there's been an assumption that if I know he's real and 
I've said yes to him and, and, and I'm going to heaven, that, that I'm living in the kingdom. But there is a reality that's much greater than this. And, and the father says that he no longer wants malnourished, deformed Christians, not only in this place, but online. And this is what I think I've heard. If we're just waiting for change to happen, we're intentionally taking ourselves out of operating in the kingdom and waiting for someone else to do it. So all I'm asking, I'm not even asking you to come up front right now, I just ask if you're one of those people and you need to truly say, I need to give you everything. I need to give you my heart and I need to give you everything. Just raise up your hand and put it back down. Just raise up your hand and put it back down. Just raise up your hand and put it back down. There's one more scenario. If we've been more worried about what's been going on in our life, then we have been connecting with the Heavenly Father. I ask you just to raise up your hand and put it down. Now, I'm going to all pray as a group, and then we're going to ask people to come forward for whatever they need prayer for. Father, we surrender. Father, you intentionally have a plan for my life, for my family's life. And I intentionally connect with your goodness. I connect, intentionally connect with being able to see the harvest, white, ready to harvest. This is February 27. I'm saying that intentionally. I felt like somebody needs to remember this date. There's something in this date. So, Father, on this February 27th, we surrender in Jesus' name. Now, I ask all of you, anyone that wants prayer, if anyone wants to be, have hands laid on them and you want prayer for anything, thy kingdom come making him king over your life. Whatever you need from the Lord, I ask you to come in Jesus' name. Amen.